Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. You're a good God, and your mercy endures forever. Yes, Lord, we set our hope on you. We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God, who never changes. And you, Father, speak to us even through your servant Malachi when you said, I'm the Lord who never changes and therefore you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And just want to thank you, Father, that we can come to that God who never changes, with whom there is no shadow of turning. That his promises are always, always yes and amen. We just want to thank you. And this morning, even as we begin, Lord, this month, first Saturday, Lord, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Continue, Lord Jesus, to prepare us. That, Lord, that what you have promised in in our lives, O Lord, this year, you will bring it to pass. Your word says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. And therefore, work in us this morning. Work in us and work through us. Work in your word into our lives, building deep convictions. Lord, even as we receive your word by faith, fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to walk in your ways. And Lord, and let the promises that you have for us this year, let it come to pass, O Lord, in our life. In our lives, O Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. I've given a very strange title uh, to today's teaching. I called it uh, Prepare Provisions, But Can You? But prepare provisions, but can you? <clears throat> um, we'll come to that in a while. But uh, this, the promise still holds. Okay, God has not changed. So we still have the promise for us this year. What an amazing promise. I think we'll just keep looking at it over and over again for the rest of the year. Hopefully, even as we meditate upon it and and allow uh, the, the Spirit of God to work in us, this promise will become real. Um, in the measure that God wants us to experience it, all right. So it might work in different uh, different people, different in different ways, but uh, but let it work. But the attitudes with which uh, the, the attitude that we uh, that we need to uh, develop as, as the spiritual attitudes that we need to develop, the disciplines that we need to develop, in order for the promise to come to pass, is the same across uh, the entire spectrum of the church. Because we are all individuals, we have different giftings. We have different anointings, I mean anointings for different offices, and uh, we have different purposes. We are not all the same, but but attitude that we need to have for any gift that God has given us for that to come to pass in our life should be the same. So uh, the children of Israel are about to possess the promised land. And if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, uh, just before uh, Moses dies, he's addressing the children of Israel who's going to possess the promised land. And he makes a very powerful statement. He says, you have gone about this road for quite some time now. He says, and he says, break rank. Now, break the the cycle. Okay. Uh, A.W. Tozer uh, actually wrote a book uh, quite some time back. I mean, I had it and I read it a few years back. The, The title of book of the book was Rut, Rot, or Get Revived. Now, many of us get into a rut, like the children of Israel for 38 years, in a rut. And in that rut we rot, and we die in the wilderness without possessing the promises of God. But uh, God is telling uh, through um, Moses to the people who are supposed to inherit the promised land, 
and for us the promises of God, especially this promise, how long would you want to be in this rut? If you, uh, if in this or, or rut, if you go into this rut, you will rot. But God is saying, be revived, possess the promises, and then you have the entire book of Deuteronomy addressing the people who are going to inherit the promised land. Of course, uh, then of course Joshua is the one who's going to lead the people into the promised land, and uh, they're supposed to be. Um, Possessing the promises, and when he's uh, when he's uh, just before uh, he's uh, he com- he addresses the people, God talks to him, speaks to him. Okay, as I was with Moses, I will so I will be with you, etc. So Joshua, uh, after he hears from God, he goes and uh, speaks to the people, and he makes a powerful statement. This is what he says. That is from where I um, borrowed the title for today's teaching. Joshua chapter one, <clears throat> when verses ten in ten and eleven. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. Prepare provisions for yourselves. Okay. Everybody has a provision cupboard in your kitchen, right? And depending upon your eating habits, the provision cupboard will be, will, uh, will change. So, <laughs> so God is saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, which is essentially is uh, what I think uh, a corollary to for today's prom- for our pro- for the promise for this year is two days is going to do great things and the third day is going to revive us right two, two days he tore us he he did everything to us but on the third day he's going to revive us so it's kind of a, a, a corollary if you will for for the promise that we have for this year for the, within three days it's a spiritual um, um, mean uh, a day three days means uh, the resurrection of life of Christ the power of Christ is available to you. Go in and possess the power, that incredible resurrection power that God has given to us, which he wrought in Christ Jesus, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, which he wrought in Christ Jesus when he rose him from the dead and seated him at at the right hand of the Father. That same power which is available, which was was in Jesus Christ, which rose him from the dead and made him seated in uh, in the heavenly places, that same power is available to you. Take that power, come under the authority of God, let that power work in you and use that power to pro- uh, to obtain the promises of God and possess the promises of God that God has for you this year. This is essentially what he's trying to say. Within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to, get, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And in order for you to do that, what should you do? Prepare provisions. In, in, in Telugu, it's very interesting. Aharamunu siddha parchukunudi. Okay. It's a, that's a different kind of aharam. It's a different kind of food. And by the way, this is not the food that, uh, that you're going to be, that you're going to be eating. Look, look, let's, let us try to understand what this word provision means. Prepare your provisions. What does it mean? Let's, let, let's, let, this is not the provision that you can, uh, that you sow and then it, uh, you harvest it and, and you eat it. That's not the provision he's talking about. This is not atta. Okay. This provision is different. Okay, let me, let me, let me show you what exactly this provision means. Uh, we'll look at the spectrum of the word where this word is used in the Bible to understand what this provision means. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27. The slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting. So, the word for promise, to prepare provision, uh, something which has been taken in hunting. Okay, now think about it. We raise bakra for slaughter. Okay. We have to hunt for deer. Okay. 
Now, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, this promise is, you will never obtain without hunting. Hunting. You know, this image, you should look at this picture, okay? How many of you know Psalm 1 by heart? At least some of you know it, yeah? Okay, blessed is a man, okay, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. The word for meditate is very powerful in the Hebrew, which actually the word for meditate is hege. You know what the word for meditate, hege, comes from actually, the picture is, a lion is crouching for its prey. That's the picture. The lion is crouching for its prey and it jumps upon it and then once it jumps upon its prey, man, it has it under its paw and it's tearing it apart and eating it. That's the picture. Alright. So, when you use the word meditate, it's a very violent term. See, that, that is the reason why when we use these words, you know, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take, take, take it by force. Uh, you have to implement the kingdom of God. You have to impose the kingdom of God. Doesn't just come naturally to us. Okay. So, this is something which you have to be trained to do. Meditate. You have to understand. This is the term over there. Took in hunting. So, prepare yourself. Provisions means, boss, be ready to possess the promised life. This is going to be a different ball game altogether. This is not what you were enjoying all these 30 years when manna came and you, you enjoyed life. Manna will stop and you will eat the produce of the land. And he says, prepare yourselves. Provisions means, each of you now, have to go in and search the scriptures and ask the Lord and say, Lord, what is that one word that you have for me? That's so that I can use that word and use that word, meaning I, I can uh, apply that word into my lives and develop the life of Christ so that I can have the strength to possess the promise that you have for me this year. Understand that? Okay. This is the word. The word is meat again. Okay. The word is meat. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Okay? That's, what, that's the reason why hunting is not an easy easy thing, right? Mm, you have to snatch. I mean, you have to really uh, possess it. It's a, it's a picture. It's a, it's, it's, just imagine National Geographic and how a lion hunts for its prey or a cheetah or, or a leopard. Apparently, the most... Um, Powerful predator among the cats. You know what it is? What is the most powerful predator among the cats? Leopard. Yeah, somebody said leopard. Yes, yes, I know. Leopard is the most, not even lion. Leopards are the best hunters. And they don't even hunt in packs like like lions. Lions have to hunt in, in, uh, in a pride. But, uh, otherwise, they'll not be able to catch their prey. But leopards are powerful. They're very, uh, what do you say? Stealth, yeah. They use stealth, exactly. And, 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 and they're so fast. Okay. And they use what you call as, uh, um, su- surprise tactics to, to catch their prey. So imagine that. Okay. So that is what he's talking about over here. For all the prophets and the law prophets are until John. Again, uh, Luke's gospel chapter 16 verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is what? Pressing. You know, the word for pressing means what? It doesn't ha- happen naturally. You have to make it, you have to agonize. You have to implement. Okay. So, we, there are several spiritual disciplines that we, uh, that we are encouraged to, 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 to develop. One of the uh, spiritual disciplines is fasting and praying, of course. Right? So, this is not going to happen. 
So the, the point is, can you prepare provisions? So what kind of an attitude, what kind of a spiritual uh, uh, development that you should, that you need to have in order for you to have the ability to prepare provisions for yourselves, for you to hunt your own game is important. No matter what level you are in, right? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, therefore the call is for maturity. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become what of hearing? Dull of hearing. Sluggish, slothful, lazy. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not what? Solid food. Okay. For everyone who partakers only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But verse 14, solid food. Now the word for solid food in the KJV is very interesting. It says meat. Okay. This is meat. Meat belongs uh, to those who are full of age. That is, those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they have a spiritual development that has happened in their lives, which gives them the capability, if you will, to hunt for game. Esau was a mighty hunter in the flesh. (laughs) Okay, We We are talking about hunters in the spirit where we go through the scriptures and we literally devour the scriptures. Okay. Have that attitude. Lord, give me the grace to devour and study and meditate, meditate, meditate and constantly keep thinking upon your word so that so that I will be prepared to possess the promises that you have for me. First Corinthians chapter 3 again. We know all these verses very well. So I'm just, just uh, looking at them uh, briefly. And I and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What did I feed you? I fed you with milk and not meat, not solid food, because you are not able to receive it. That's the reason why. Can you prepare yourselves provisions? <laughs> you can't send children for hunting, obviously. Okay. Only mature people can go. I mean, when we are talking about maturity, we are talking about spiritual maturity. All right. These things we also speak, Second Corinthians chapter 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive these, the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness. Right? Alright. So, how do we become dull? Two reasons. Two very uh, different reasons. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 34. It says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness, that is pleasure. And second thing, by the worries of this life. So two things will, which will cause spiritual dullness. One is what? Carousing and drunkenness. And the other thing is worries of this life. That will cause spiritual dullness. So that will take take your focus away from God. Okay. So we are an entertainment mad generation. No, we love to get entertained. Okay. We have secret places where we watch secretly, and we want to escape. Right? We want to escape. That's the reason why we I say, "Oh my goodness, let me just forget my worries at least for a few minutes." That's the reason why they make movies. And why do they make movies? Oh, at least for a few hours, he will forget all his problems. Okay. Forget. 
children of God don't forget their problems. They face their problems. Right? They face their mountains. They face. That is the reason why Caleb says, you know what? These giants will be what for us? Meat for us. That's what he, he uses. They, they'll be lachem, food, meat. Meat for us. Okay, we, we are able to do it because God is with us and their defenses are gone. We are able to see it. You see? And what happens? What causes dullness? Two things. Carousing and drunkenness and worries. So, ask God, Lord, let me not be anxious for anything, but in all things, with prayer and supplications, let my request be made known to God. All of us, no? At different levels, no? If you are graduating from college, what is your worry? Will I get a job? If you are not looking, if you are a person who is not looking for a career, will I get an admission in a top school for masters? Now, if I get an admission, will I get an admission with scholarship? Or will I do have to take a bank loan? <laughs> if I have to take a bank loan, will I have the ability, will I get a job later on after two years so that I can pay off my bank loan? <laughs> These are all worries. You have different worries in different, different, and for ch- children who are, who have come to the uh, age of getting married, will I get, will I find a spouse? After you found a spouse, if you have children, now what will happen to the children? You keep constantly, these worries is something uh, incredibly uh, non-stop. No? Today, I was just uh, talk, talking, Justin and I were talking, we were coming back from, we were coming to your church office. No, <clears throat> what parents do, <clears throat> they put a lot of pressure on the children. Okay. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Math, 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 math. Okay. <laughs> okay, whatever, no? Put a lot of pressure. Lot of pressure. <clears throat> you have to become like this. Otherwise, You'll beg on the streets. I mean, this was a picture that was in my mind when I was was growing up. If you do not study well, you will be begging on the streets. My goodness. That trauma. Not trauma of not. That is not, that is not a trauma. That fellow will say, that is a trauma. (laughs) That is a trauma. (laughs) Okay. So the trauma is that follow that I have I lose face when I ask him he will reject me. <laughs> right, that's exactly what we do, no? When uh, people in uh, near paradise come and ask for money, no, 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 Can you imagine? So that is what we have. We have put pressure upon us, but God says you don't have to worry. The Gentiles seek of all these things, but seek ye what first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and. Everything else will be added unto you. The worries of this life and the drunkenness and the carousing and the entertainment madness of this world. Both of these things go together actually. Okay, People get entertained so that they can want to forget about their worries. When they come back, they worry. So they go back to entertainment. So this is one vicious cycle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> So don't become dull. Develop an attitude which will give you the uh, rather a spiritual strength, if you will, the maturity, grow in spiritual maturity, which will give you the ability to prepare for yourselves, what? Provisions. Because every life is different. Like Pastor constantly keeps telling us, no, there should come a time in your life where you should be personally be spoken to by God. Personally led by God. Go and practice that. The Practice the presence of God in the secret closet of prayer. Why are we constantly being enjoined to or rather exhorted to practice such spiritual disciplines? Because there will come a time wherein we have to hear the voice of God personally. Excuse me. Today is not pastor's conference. Why are people call me? <laughs> people, is, people are calling me. Uh, Alright? 
Understand? So don't let that, don't let worries of this life, don't let the pleasures of this world worry you. But prepare, prepare yourselves. Develop this attitude. So, but how do we do it? So let's read a few verses. Verses 1 to 8. And we will just stick with one verse. Okay. See what happens is that when I like one passage, I will find ways to preach from it. Okay. So, <laughs> I love one passage. So I'll just say, how do I preach from this? Okay. <laughs> because it just speaks to my heart and it is just convicts me and, you know, God speaks to me and I always endeavor to make my study an abundance of what is there in my heart, my own heart. What is God's been speaking to me? So let's read from Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verses one to Eight, one to eight and nine. Okay. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I'm giving to them. So I'm already giving. Okay. And it's actually, uh, it says, I've already given. He says, we'll see that. The children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given. That's the reason why it says, the Lord has blessed us with all, not just a few, all what blessings? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So, it's very clear. Okay. All spiritual blessings, all the promises of God, through which we can we can partake of this divine nature. All that we need for life and godliness is there here in, this, in the word of God. It is there in the word of God. That means this is your bank. My dear brothers and sisters, whatever language, especially with Telugu, okay. <laughs> because Telugu Bible has a, story, has a history. You know that they tried to translate the Telugu Bible twice, so we Telugu people should have a more affinity to towards uh, reading the Telugu Bible simply because in 1700, if I'm right, 1700s, late 1700s, there was a German uh, missionary who came to India. He translated the entire Telugu Bible, uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he went back to Germany to print it because the printing presses were not available in India. Gutenberg was there in Germany only. So when he went, when he went back to Germany, he lost them. Okay. And there was another uh, English missionary from the who tried to translate it. He he had a heart attack and he died. And so he they did not know where his manuscripts were. And then again, William Carey tried tried to translate the entire. He did the entire translation under the under the supervision of several other people. And what had happened? Everything got burnt. And then finally, we have the Telugu Bible. So, it came with at a tremendous price. This is the bank account our forefathers have given us. This Bible, I mean, whatever Bible that you use. So, bank account, go there, bank upon every word. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rima, the living word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So, so you see, I have given you everything, but I also said what? The boundaries, the territories. That's what we call as a will of God. Everything within the will of God for our lives is permissible. Understand that? So very clear. Okay, let's move on. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I also will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give give them. 
Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Let's read on. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, again, what? Meditate. That is what the point here is. Okay, the meditate. So even if, even when you listen to a sermon on Sunday morning or Wednesday, let it just be a part of your meditation. Think over it. Just one thing specifically the Lord will speak to you. And just, just keep on meditating and ruminating over it over and over and over again. And through that, God will just give you revelation. God will give you revelation for the situation that you are going through. And you need it specifically for everyone. Right? That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you. So, let's start with verse 1. And we'll just be stuck with verse 1 today. Okay? Let's see. Let's see. And then he says, uh, Joshua comes to the people and he says, prepare provisions. Prepare provisions. He receives from God and he goes to the people and this is what he says. Pass through the camp, command the people saying, prepare provisions. No, he already prepared his own provision by the way. Okay? Because God spoke to him specifically. So how do we prepare provisions? How do we become people who have the ability to prepare provisions? It's important. So let us look at one man, Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Just one word is like loaded. After the death of who? Moses. And Moses, I mean, if you if you look at this, these are all, there are all types over here, there are patterns in the Bible. Okay. Joshua is a type of Christ. Book of Hebrews talks about Joshua as Jesus. Especially in the KJV. If you look at Hebrews chapter 4. Okay. If, Josh, if Jesus would have given them rest. Okay. So Joshua is a type of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the ultimate overcomer. He overcame. And in Christ, all of us are there who will become overcomers. Alright. Joshua is a type of, of Christ, first thing. Joshua is a type of a believer who is in Christ, meaning he is a person who is a new covenant believer, a type of a new covenant believer. All right. And all the old covenant believers, they died. So after the death of Moses, including Moses, by the way, a type of the law. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5, talking about the new covenant. What are we in Christ? What is our identity, if you will, in Christ? What gives us this ability to become warriors who can hunt for provisions for ourselves and for those people whom God has entrusted into our lives? Romans chapter 5, we'll talk about this. Verse 14, nevertheless, what reigned from Adam to Moses? Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Okay, why? The law only brings what? Death. So, what are we? We are a people of the new covenant. Right? We are not under the old covenant. Jo- Joshua, Joshua is the type of Jesus Christ who is the one who executes 
but rather he he's the one who testifies he gives that he's a he's a person who has uh, en- en- enforced if you will the new covenant he has brought the new covenant into pass and of course the holy spirit is the one who executes the the new covenant into our lives and talking about the new covenant something very interesting is mentioned about the new covenant and you you'll see in hebrews chapter 8 what that new covenant is in essence there's one fundamental thing which i want us to look at because it becomes very crucial for all of us if you if you want to be, become a people who will inherit the promises of god especially the promises that god has given us for this year Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 onwards. Because finding fault with them, that is the old covenant, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. The fact of the matter is nobody nobody can. right? And I disregarded them, says the Lord. And then, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them them shall teach their neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them and to the greatest of them. And very important statement for, you see that? For why is all these blessings of the new covenant possible? Because there's a one basis, the fundamental, the the foundation of the new covenant is one thing. What is that? For I, God, will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. And I will remember them no more. You see, that is the basis of the new covenant. That means you can walk without condemnation absolutely 100% in the new covenant. There is only conviction. There is no condemnation. You understand? There is only what? Conviction. There is no condemnation. God, when the Holy Spirit comes, He convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But that's okay. But that's fine. He's not condemning us. He's convicting us. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Because we are His sons. We have, we have received the spirit of adoption by which we call, our, call, call Him as what? Abba Father. We address Him as Abba Father. We have a completely different covenant where He does not remember our lawless deeds anymore. In the old covenant, their sins were only what? Covered in the day of atonement. After the day of atonement, again next year, remembrance. It was called remembrance day. Where all their sins, again, they have to again, I mean, it's like a con, it's like a re, uh, uh, what is it? What is it? What do you say? Um, uh, you, you are in a, you're in, you're in constant debt. Okay. For I, I, I give this example. For example, let's say I borrowed one lakh rupees from Sami. Okay. I told Sami, Sami, by the end of this year, I'll give you 1 lakh rupees plus 10% interest. And Sammy looks at me and he says, Okay, Pastor, uh, I'll give you, but I know you'll not be able to give me back. But it's okay. Let us make a title deed. 31st, what? December 2000, whatever, 22. The contract will uh, will expire. January 1st, my bank account should have 1 lakh 10,000 rupees. It should show by midnight, whatever time. Okay, I should get an SMS alert. Okay, I said, okay, Sammy. So what happens? Full thirty-one days, or full twelve months, I struggled. <laughs> Not even able to make one rupee. Okay, <laughs> now what has happened? My interest has become what one lakh ten thousand. I mean, no, my principal plus interest has become one lakh ten thousand. I'm just giving an example. So what what do I do? January 1st, I go to Sammy. Sammy says, "Sir, sir, he calls me sir, and sir, I did not uh, receive any alert." What about any transfers have happened? No, Sammy was not able to do it. 
Next year, Sammy. Next year? Sure. Okay. Okay, let's do it. redo the contract again. This time you have to return me 1,10,000 rupees. Again, 10% interest on that. Again, what happens? 31st. The interest keeps mounting. You come to a point where you say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. That is condemnation. So when Jesus says, it is finished, you know what he's saying? No more interest, no payment in full. Tetelestai. Payment in full. Tetelestai. Payment in full means I have covered all possible interests for eternity. Infinite bank account. In other words, I have literally emptied the bank account of heaven and deposited it into your account. Credit card without limit. Who's going to pay for it? I will pay. That is what he's talking about. We are talking about a new covenant life. We are talking about a position that everyone of us us can have if we truly believe no condemnation. No condemnation. Now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed with righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim my crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? John Wesley, what? Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused. The quickening ray, I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? The death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paid it all. Jesus paid it all. No more remembrance. No more interest. You can walk with absolute no condemnation. That is the outworking of the righteousness of God. The outworking of the righteousness of God is a fact that each and every believer can walk with absolute no condemnation. Amen? You should say that. If you believe it. Very difficult for many of, many of you to say because I don't, I don't think you still believe it. Many of them are old covenant believers. Some people are new covenant believers and some people are no covenant believers. Okay, there is no covenant at all in their life. Hmm? Neither old nor new. They are in what we call a suspended space. Okay. So look at what it says. John's Gospel chapter 5. Remember? A man who was there. Where where was he? John's Gospel chapter 5. Where was he? A pool called? You know what the word for Bethesda means? Beth Chesed. Beth Chesed. The house of grace. That's the word. Beth Chesed means the house of grace. The house of unlimited favor. I mean, I was telling the grace home children. Grace home. That is what Beth Chesed means. Or for us in GTC, Grace Tabernacle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are all Grace Tabernacle. That is Beth Chesed means the house of absolute, total mercy, unmerited favor. What has happened to you? For 38 years in Grace Tabernacle. In Grace Home. What are you? Sick. Invalid. And once in a while, the what, what who comes? The angel comes and stirs up the water. So every Sunday you come to service and suddenly pastor will stir up the spirit inside of you. Oh, let me go and jump into the water. And then he says, hmm, that fellow did this to me, that fellow did this to me, this fellow did this to me, go on. And again next Sunday, stir up the water. Okay. Yes, in the name of Jesus, you go to the altar and you say, Lord, I surrender all. And immediately you go out. 
somebody say something to you finished gone you see what has happened what has happened in the house of grace where how many porches are there baba are five porches constantly water is flowing angel is coming and stirring but nothing is happening in my life you know what jesus comes and says there was a man who had a infirmity for how many years the sign of the law 38 years when jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition for a long time you know what he came he said to him, he said to him do you want to be made well the question is do you love your position of self pity i told you no lot of people have boils on their hands first they hate their boil somebody comes and does this to their boil and they'll say ah this is so nice let the boil stay for the rest of its life let me have more boils you say kurupu in telugu how many of you like your boils do you want the boils to go and then start the complaint started the sick man said sir sir <laughs> i have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred jesus said baba you know what the word for arises the word for rise is powerful it's a three three spiritual steps rise that means what believe in the resurrection power of jesus christ he was raised again for our what he was he died for our sins and he was and he raised again for our justification exactly he was raised again for our justification you have been justified you've been clothed with the righteousness of jesus arise now don't go back to that previous life that old life of complaining and murmuring pick up your mat and what walk with me now walk with me stop complaining walk with me there's no condemnation for any for anyone who is in christ jesus that's the reason why john's gospel chapter 8 again very powerful when jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman he said to her i like that those verses okay when jesus had what mm, raised himself raised himself up you can underline that and think about it and saw no one but the woman he said to her woman where are the accusers of yours meaning what happened he made sure all those lying tons on lying tons or true tongues of accusations were taken care of why because he had raised himself up all the accusing accusing fingers on your life they have been removed in Christ Jesus and you can absolutely walk free without any condemnation without any guilt women women where are those accusers of yours has no one condemned you she said what no one lord all my accusers have been taken care of and the most powerful accuser the accuser of the brethren who constantly keeps accusing us night and day before god he has been taken care of how did he how was he taken care of the lord rebuke you satan that's what joshua said i mean the high priest uh, where, where the angel of the lord said to uh, told joshua in the in the old covenant but you know what he did in the new covenant he disarmed it says principalities and powers of darkness and made them a public spectacle that's what was happening on the cross in the spiritual realm all the accusing fingers from our, uh, uh, towards us have been removed she said no one lord and jesus said to her neither do i condemn you go and sin no more then jesus spoke to them again and saying i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but will have what light 
of life. Just walk with me. Just walk with me. And you, you walk with me. If you walk with me, what will have? You will have light about yourself. And what will happen? The blood of Jesus will, what? Continuously keep cleansing you from all unrighteousness and from all condemnation. You can absolutely walk even today without condemnation and guilt. Do you believe it? If you believe it, say Amen. Amen. That's how it starts. That's how the life of preparing provisions for ourselves start. If you are with condemnation, you are already defeated in the first step. There's no point progressing further. That is the reason why he says, if you confess your sins, what? He is what? Faithful and, and just to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The believer's bar of soap, literally. Okay? Cleanse yourself and you can walk without condemnation and guilt. So let's move on. So, the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua. I told you, Joshua is a type of Christ and a type of a overcomer in Christ. You understand that? So, we are all in Joshua, our heavenly Joshua. So, how does Joshua become Joshua? Right. So, there are certain spiritual principles that we need to practice in order for us to become what Joshua became so that we can prepare provisions. Numbers chapter 27 and let's read one of my favorite chapter verses in the entire Bible. And this is when uh, Moses goes before God and he says, you are the one who made the spirits of all flesh. These are your people. I'm going to die now. I want you to raise a shepherd for them. Okay? A shepherd for them who will go in and out before them and he will lead them into the life of promise. I'm going to die. So, this is how God answers Moses. This is Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 onwards. 18 to 22. Let's read. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. I like that. Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. You see, when I read these verses, every word just speaks to me like crazy, you know. I'm going to show you why these words I've underlined, no? Just keep that in mind and we'll just enumerate them and uh, uh, deeply look at them, at least in, in some depth, if not completely. A man in whom is the spirit. Uh, the word for, uh, the word is, is in italics, uh, so you can actually remove that and read it. In a man in whom the spirit, okay? The man in whom the spirit, okay? Lay your hand on him. Set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation. And inaugurate him in their sight. So this is basically commission him. And you shall give some of your authority to him. Now, by the way, uh, if you have the KJV Bible, can somebody read verse 20? Just if you have the KJV. Oh, thou shalt put some of your honor. Other translations use the word glory. What is that? Glory. Hadosh. Okay. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Okay. So basically, the type of Christ again. No. Uh, the type. Uh, see, this is only a type because Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. You understand? All authority. No, this is only a type. So, we are, we are called to obedience to the faith. To obedience to the faith. That is obedient to Jesus Christ, right? So this is all a type, typology over here. You can see the typology coming very clearly. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest. Eliezer is the type of the 
Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay? Who shall inquire before the Lord? Who shall inquire? The Holy Spirit will inquire before the Lord. By the judgment of the Urim. What does Urim mean? Lights. Exactly. Okay? And his word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. Loaded verses. 18 to 21. Boy, what verses. So I'm going to look at 7. Okay? My favorite number. 7, 10, 12. 5, 7, 10, 12. Okay? So two odd numbers and two even numbers. 5 and 7. 10 and 12. But today only 7. <clears throat> Joshua. Let us look at Joshua. Something that 10 attributes about Joshua, which I mean, seven attributes of Joshua, which I want to look at, enumerating, which are, which have been enumerated over here. First, he was a man who was taken. What was he? Did you ever think that word taken will have such tremendous significance? Let us see. Today I'll show you the significance of the word taken. In whom is the spirit? Third, on whom hands were laid. Fourth, who was set before Eliezer and the congregation. Fifth, he who was commissioned. Sixth, who was given authority and glory. Seventh, who was constantly led by the Spirit, which is essentially a type of Christ. The type of the Holy Spirit. Seven attributes. Seven attributes of Joshua. Of a man who went and said, prepare yourself what? Provisions. Exactly. Understand this. So, if you want to be a man or a woman who's supposed to be a person who can, I mean, who has the ability to prepare provisions, first attributes, you have to be what? You have to be taken. What is it? A man who was taken. No, I'll give you an example as to what it means. What is word taken means. There are some children over here, but I'll just use that example very, very euphemistically. <clears throat> Let us say uh, a bunch of young people are there, you know, college, no? Generally in college days, what will happen? There will be what? Couples, couples, no? Remember couples, couples? Flames. <laughs> okay. After, uh, after doing your, uh, you, you, what you, some people, some children, some people are so foolish. Their entire future is based upon flames. <laughs> exactly. It blows up in flames. Literally. You know what it, the, you, you should understand. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 6 which says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? It's a very powerful word. You know, the Hebrew is fantastic. A man, ish, okay, aleph, yud, and he, shin. Take a woman, isha, aleph, shin, and he. Together, when they come together, they have ya. They have the image of God. So the believer who has a connection with God should come with a believer who has come, who has, uh, with, should come together or should marry a believer who, is, who has got a relationship with God and together they have the image of Christ in their home. Otherwise, you know what? You'll take ish. Ish means fire. And what will happen to you? Your clothes will be burnt and your lives will be in flames. So let me give you an example. What, 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 what do I mean by that? What does it mean to be taken? Okay. So there will be, you know, couples, no? And one fellow will be trying to quote some another guy, another girl or something. And you know what the other people will say? She's already ah, that's the point. Okay, that that, that that's a picture. That's a picture. She's already taken. 
look at the words which God uses about his people. Jeremiah chapter 3. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am, that's the word, taken. I have married you. I have taken you. And I will what? Take you. One from a tribe, from Nizamabad, okay, from Kerala, two from Africa, okay, different backgrounds, different, different people. From Andhra, the middle wall of separation is broken in Christ. Telangana, another become one. <laughs> My wife is, by the way, from Mehbubhudagar and I am from uh, Visakhapatnam. So, Andhra. You see, different people. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you where? To Zion. That is where the bride of Christ comes. So the first thing he says, if you want to be a person who has the ability to prepare provisions, understand the fact that you've been taken. You've been taken by God. What are you? Taken. You know where it, where else it occurs? The sons of God? Ah, exactly. Saw the daughters of men and took for themselves. So what should the sons of God do? What should you do? Not take the daughters of men. Exactly. Son of God should always marry a daughter of God. Exactly. Or a son of God. Precisely. Understand this principle. You have been taken. Do you understand that? So when God is saying, you know what? This is interesting. When Moses goes to God and says, you know, Lord, I want somebody who will lead this people, Lord. And you know, the, the Lord is looking at the entire congregation of the children of Israel and he says, you know what? There is one guy who's been taken. You know who that, who that person is? Joshua. Because I saw him. I saw him. He was neither praying nor playing. At least he was somewhere in the middle. You know, that's what Joshua did. He lingered. Remember? When Jesus stayed back in the temple, he waited back in the temple and after three days they found him. What was he doing? He was listening and he was asking questions and he was giving them answers. He lingered. He was taken. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart. What? Are you a man or a woman who's taken? Do you know that you've been taken? Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 onwards. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Who is? In you, who's, in, who's inside of you? The Holy Spirit is inside of you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Meaning what? I have purchased you. I have taken you. I have taken you. I have purchased you. Remember? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? God's. You have been taken. You have bought at a price. You cannot allow this body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Separate yourself. Be separate from the crowd. Live a life of separation. Hmm? Understand this. Do you not know that you, your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take them the members of Christ and make them into the members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to the harlot? What does it mean to be taken? You've been joined to the Lord. You've been joined. You've been yoked with the Lord. Remember that? That's what he says, right? Come to me all those who are in, uh, who are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And what should you do next? Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me. Understand that. 
Okay? So you are a man who's taken. And Joshua was a man who's taken. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he is joined to the Lord, is one spirit with him. Therefore, flee everything which defiles you, which defiles this temple. Understand that you are a man who's been taken by God and therefore it is imperative upon us that we should fight every lust in our body and our minds. Because we've been taken. And therefore, what should we do? We should flee. Of course, here in this case, he talks about sexual immorality. Immorality. Some people have to flee food. Or something else. Some people have to flee sleeping. Understand? Are you a man who's taken? Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You've been taken. James chapter 4, you know this, these verses very well. Adulterers, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world, friendship is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you, what does it do? It yearns with jealousy. And why is, where is jealousy, uh, where is jealousy allowed? It's allowed in a marriage. That is the reason why it says, jealousy is a husband's fury. It says in Proverbs chapter 6. Jealousy is a husband's fury. And he will visit. And he will not be satisfied even if you give him many gifts. It's a husband's fury. You're taken. And And the Lord looks at all the people and he looks at Joshua and he says, you know what? He's taken. He's been taken and we are all taken, right? Look at how Paul gives his testimony in Acts chapter 27. Powerful, right? You know these verses very well. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you. This is Acts chapter 27 verse 22 onwards. But only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord or of, of, the, of the God of to whom I belong and whom I serve. You see that? Very clear. I belong to God. Lock, stock and barrel. One of the things that many people struggle, you know why? Because they are not not sold out to God and to the purposes of God. They are not sold out completely. They are still holding on to something. They are baptized but like those people, they still have one hand, one leg, something out of the water. Or maybe a part of the head. this hand should not be baptized. You know why? First let me go and strike that fellow and then I'll come and get baptized. (laughs) You're all strikers. Not strikers. Strikers. Understand. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must not be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who say with you. See how clear he is. He is, he is about his, who, to whom he belongs. And that is the reason why the Daniel chapter first, first right, he says, I will not defile myself. He purposed in his heart. It starts with that. The entire book of Daniel was pivoted upon that one verse. What is that one verse? I will not defile myself because I'm taken. Romans chapter 1. I'll give you how you can read this verse. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. You know how we can read it? How many students here? Raise your hands. Okay. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a student. Okay. Student, student. Okay. You are in that call still, not an apostle yet. Okay. <laughs> Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a student and then 
separated for the gospel. That is okay. That is common. If you are housewife, that is Indian term, okay, housewife, Paul, whatever your name, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a housewife, separated for the gospel of God. You read it that way? Whatever profession you are in. Software engineers? Let us see. Hmm? Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a software engineer. Everybody likes that. Software engineer, but separated for the gospel of God. You see that? Very clear. They should know. They should know in your office, they should know that this guy is separated. He is different. Which he promised. Man who has been taken. Daniel chapter 6. One of those fired up verses. This is the king, right? So they answered because they were so jealous about Daniel, right? They came to the king and they started accusations. And you know how they address him? They do not address him as the chief IOS officer. You know what they call him? Look at what it says. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, that Daniel, who is one of the captives of Judah, that is a, that fellow, that Daniel, one of your chief uh, satraps, no, 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 that captive of Judah, does not show regard for your for, for your for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So you know, remember what happened? So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to, da- saying to Daniel, your God, your God, whom you serve continually. You see, so Daniel, you are my satraf, but you serve God. You are a bond servant of Yahweh, called to be a whatever, satraf, separated for the gospel of God. Amazing. Now the king went to his palace and spent that night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Can you imagine? Daniel is happily sleeping in the lion's den. And this guy has sleepless nights. Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke to Daniel saying, Daniel, my satraf, no, 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 no. Servant of the living God. Has your God whom you serve continually. You see how he he has been taken. I'm telling you, he was in Babylon, but his heart was in Jerusalem. He was in the world, but he was not of the world. He was taken. You know what Joshua? He's looking at Joshua and he says, take Joshua. He's been taken. Are you been taken? So the first thing, he's been a, he's been taken. Second, second thing, let us look at it. In whom is what the is what is what is there? In whom is the spirit? In whom is the spirit? A man who has been taken and in whom the Lord deposits the spirit. Look at what it says about about uh, about uh, Joseph again. We know this was very well. Genesis chapter 41 verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the spirit of God is. You see that? Spirit of God dwells in you. And what is the, what is the, what is the, uh, what is the, uh, what is the attitude of a person who's got the spirit of God dwelling inside of him? Let me, I'll show you. Uh, this is in John's gospel, <clears throat> chapter 14. This is what Jesus, uh, talking about the spirit tells his disciples. John's gospel, chapter 14 and verse 15 onwards. If you love me, you will keep my commands and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. 
that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You see that? Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. You see that? That means what? We are a people who have been set apart. We are a people who love God. We are a people who will keep his commandments. Understand? That's the second thing. In whom we have been given the earnest of the spirit, it says. The guarantee of the spirit. The spirit which, which is inside of us, by which we cry out what? Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption, which is there inside of us. Which cries out and says, Lord, Abba, Father. We don't address him as uh, God anymore. We ask him, Lord, you are our Lord, but you are our heavenly Father. In whom is the spirit. So first he was taken. Second, he had the spirit and the third thing which I want to do, look at very carefully. On whom hands were laid. What does it mean? What does it mean for all of us? What what, what is it? What is is the spiritual significance of a man upon whom the Lord has laid hands? Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 21 onwards. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. And verse 22, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourselves pure. Now look at, it's very interesting, right? God looks at Joshua, and he says, Moses, lay your hands on him. And what does New Covenant say? Don't be hasty in laying on of hands and don't be partakers of other people's. And who's giving the testimony that this man is a man who's been overcoming sin? Who's giving the testimony here? God. Who's the testimony? God is giving the testimony. On whom hands were laid? Then what happens because of that? There's an impartation of a gift, a spiritual gift. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9 will say, Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had what? Laid his hands upon him. That is the reason why we constantly keep praying that prayer. What is it? Lord, grant us a spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation. You see that? This is so important for each one of us. We all need to go through that process and ask God because we need revelation for our own situation. It's not just not for preaching. You remember we had those uh, confessions? Uh, we've been buried with, we died with him. Second thing was, we were buried with him. Third thing was what? We made a life. We were resurrected and we were seated together with him in heavenly places. Now the first two things, we were, we died with him. And the second one is what? We were buried with him. Third thing is very interesting. We were made alive. How were we made alive? Because we were all called. How were we called? Lazarus, come out. That was the call. So we were all made alive. So many people are called. Second thing, when he was resurrected, because he was raised from our from the dead, because through the resurrection of Jesus, we are all what? Justified. We are called. Second, we are justified. Third thing is what? We are seated together with heavenly in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what the third thing is? We are seated together. The three parts, the three parts in the tabernacle. First is what? The outer courts. Everybody in the outer courts is called. When you call, when you cross the outer courts, there's, a, there's something called as the the altar, right? The, the altar and the laver. So you are called. And second, when you go into the holy place, you 
you're called and you're justified, you go into the holy place. But it is the glory of God to reveal, to conceal a matter and it is the glory of kings, what? To search it out. And where do you have the, have the Lord speaking to you? It is in the most holy place. When we are seated together with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that is when we receive the revelation that we need for, for the purposes that we have in our lives. Everybody has to have their own revelation for the, for the call of, for the call of God in their lives. All of, all have the call, all have been justified, but not many people have been glorified. Even though we are positionally. Because we still don't have the revelation. Understand the three things. Let's move on. One, one Timothy chapter 4 is an impartation of the gift. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in, lo- in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. You see, God imparts a gift. So you have a man who has been taken, a person what who's, who has the spirit of God inside of him. Third one, he has been given the testimony that there is no sin inside the man who is overcoming sins progressively. Third, he has been given a spiritual, this is an impartation of the spiritual gift that God has given him. And what is he doing constantly? Fanning it, okay, and using it. First Timothy chapter 4. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that you may, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. And again, Second Timothy chapter 5, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is inside of you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You receive a gift. It's a gifted person. He's been gifted by God. For God has given us a spirit of, not has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So, first thing, he was a taken man. Second thing, he had the spirit of God inside of him. And a third thing, he was a man who has been gifted spiritually. He's been gifted by God. Okay? Fourth, let's see. This is very important. Who was taken, in whom is a spirit, on whom hands were laid. And the fourth important thing, who was set before Eliezer and the congregation. This fourth thing is a very, very difficult thing for all of us. You know what that means? He had a testimony before God and before man. What did he have? He had a testimony before God and he had a testimony before man. You know, one man of God says, in one of his, I was listening to him the other day, he was telling, the most difficult for me to go is when people invite me to memorial services. Memorial services of people I don't know. They know me. They call me for the memorial service of somebody. But then I say, I don't want to come because I don't know that person. But then they will say, you know what, uh, there are at least five or 500, 600 people coming to the memorial service. So because there's an opportunity for me to share the gospel, I take those opportunities. But whenever I go to the memorial service, they always want to want me to speak good things about, about the person who died. And I don't know him. What do I say? The big, big problem for me. Okay. And so what, what I did was, I generally asked my children, you know, there, I asked him, what is the testimony of this guy? They say, sir, this guy was a drunkard. He beat up his wife. He used to do all kinds of things. Now he died. They are asking you to come to his memorial service. What are you going to say now? He's asking the Lord, Lord, grant me wisdom, Lord. What should I say about this man? So, 
So the Lord gave him the wisdom. And he said, this man, this brother has entered into eternity. Full stop. We don't know which eternity. <laughs> With God or without God, we don't know. <laughs> because both are eternal only. Hell is eternal. Heaven is eternal. So everybody said, oh, praise the Lord, Pastor. Nityatvamu cherkunar. It sounds very nice in Telugu. The question is, how is your testimony before God? And how is your testimony before man? Understand? You know, about Ezekiel, God's testimony about his marriage. What is God's testimony about Ezekiel's marriage? I am going to take the delight of your eyes. Wow. Amazing. What a testimony about his marriage. It is not, Lord, my, my marriage is fantastic. No, 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 no. It is God's testimony about Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I know your marriage is fantastic. The delight of your eyes. What is your testimony? And some, some, some people, uh, God says, you know, you bring your offerings to the altar and you're weeping and weeping and crying and, and saying, why are you not accepting my offering? And he says, you know what, I've been a witness about the way you deal with the wife of your youth. Witness. Our testimony before God and testimony before man. Eliezer, he was set before Eliezer, a type of the Holy Spirit, and he was set before the congregation of God. And both have a testimony to give. You know, some people come to pastor and say, Pastor, can you give me a recommendation letter? I have, of, um, I have applied to this university. And pastor will say, you want a recommendation letter? I will write honest. <laughs> you see, we were all such crooks, okay? When we were applying to universities abroad, all recommendation letters had to be sealed. Those days there were no there was no email correspondence still. So you know what we used to do? We were applying for four universities, but we give the application for five universities. Okay. So how many recommendation letters you should you should have? Five recommendation letters. So two professors or three professors you have to choose, and each each professor will write five recommendation letters to five different universities. Okay? And he will seal it. But one is a fraud because I'm not applying to that university. I'm just, I just put application form only. So what do I do? I open it. We were such frauds. I mean, I'm telling you. And I read the recommendation letter, then I know what my professor is thinking about me. A ball, Lord. <laughs> so what do I do? All the five application forms I have, one, I will take all, I'll read all the recommendations, let us know there is no confidentiality anymore. The best two I will take. Ma, I'm giving you all my criminal mind to you. Huh? This is what people used to do in the world. References. Can you imagine? If God, so the, this is very important, no? I'm, I'm telling you. How, if, 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 you are applying for a company. Will the company lose you? They, do they have a tremendous testimony about you? What is what? What kind of a recommendation letter will your boss write about you? 
Or will he say, you know what, Vijay, I'm going to raise the stakes. I'm going to make it very difficult for you to leave my company. I'm going to give you an offer you can't refuse. Not like Don Corleone. Can he? Will he do that? You know, so that's what Pastor says, right? He says, some people bring happiness wherever they go. Some people bring happiness whenever they go. Which category are you? Whenever they go category. Bah, when will this fellow leave, Baba? When Pastor uses those words, no? I want to pray these people out of my church. Boy, <laughs> who are those people, Baba? <laughs> pray these people. Who are those people? Can you imagine? What will your recommendation letter be? You see, you that, see what what gives you confidence is the testimony of God and the testimony of your conscience. Why was Paul such a powerful man? Because he had a conscience without offense before God and before man. I'm not saying this. Look at what he says in Acts chapter 24. Verse 14, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there may be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and for the unjust. There will be a resurrection of the just and there will be a resurrection of the unjust. The just will go into eternal life and the just and the unjust will go into eternal condemnation. Both will enter into eternity. This being so, what's 16? This being so, this being so, because there's going to be a resurrection of the just and there's going to be a resurrection of the unjust and everybody has to give an account before God about the secrets, my dear brothers and sisters, it is the secrets of men's hearts. It's a secret life which will be portrayed in the screen before God for hundreds and billions of angels and people have got to see. You know what is what, what Paul says? Paul, he says, where God is going to judge the secrets of men according to... What a thank you, Samir. It is my gospel now. According to my gospel. He's going to judge the secrets of men. If God were to judge the secrets of men, and if God were to look at our secret lives, and if do we really have a right standing with God, yes, there is no condemnation. But is there fear of God? You see? Can we stand before God? Do we strive for a clear conscience before God and with man? You know, they asked uh, Martin Luther, come on, recant all that you did. You know what he said? My conscience is a prisoner of the word of God. How can I deny my God? Do you have a clear conscience? Only when children, you and your children, that is when you have clear conscience. You know that? You have a very sensitive conscience. I remember very clearly when my dad, you know, when I was growing up, I stole one, one, one thing from my, one item and I gave it as a gift to my, my boss. My teacher. And my dad wanted to give that gift to his boss. And he was searching the entire home and he couldn't find it. I was possibly in grade 6 or grade 7 if I'm right. And he looked at me and said, did you take that thing? I said, no dad, I did not. You know. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Okay, Vijay. Come here, come here. Sit here. I will not say anything to you. 
tell me what he did. <laughs> I had to quit. You know, when your children, your conscience is very sensitive. Very sensitive. You know, newborn babes, you know why they give us joy? Because they're so tender. You know what? Our conscience is like that newborn babe. It's, it has to be kept tender all the time. All the time. Tender. Tender conscience. So what do I do? I myself always strive. The word for strive is powerful. Agonize. I agonize. To have a conscience without offense before God and before man. Elias are a type of the Holy Spirit and a congregation. Now think about it, no? It matters. Your recommendation letter of your pastor matters when you go stand before God in eternity. Absolutely. What do I have? What do you have to say about this guy? Uh, what is your recommendation? Uh, Lord, you know him, Lord. <laughs> nothing is hidden from your side. Some things were hidden from your side, but nothing was hidden from your side. If he gave me trouble like this, when with all those things before me, how much trouble he might have given to you? Rico's matter. Of your earthly bosses also matter. They matter. In your resume, no? References available at request. <laughs> and I look at it, I have to laugh. <laughs> I know what you request. But nowadays people have become very smart, no? Now there's only email correspondence. You know that, right? No, it's direct email, phone to phone. Now they're using technology. You have to stand in front of me. The professor has to stand before the other professor in the Skype call and then he has to recommend about you. Okay. <laughs> you see? Understand your mother, brothers and sisters. You know what God is looking at Joshua and he's saying, you know what, Joshua, this guy, he can stand before Eliezer and he can stand before the entire congregation because he's a God of conscience without offense before God and before man. Do you have a conscience? Is it sensitive? Does it bother you? Will you sleep at night without ensuring that the conscience is Stopping, which will stop, which will stop to accuse you. You know what God, David says, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And the, and my, and my, what was that? My, my, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He's giving a pause and he's thinking, what is going on, Lord? And then I said, I will not hide my sin and my iniquity. I will not withhold. I confess the sin of my iniquity and you forgave it. You forgive it. My dear brothers and sisters, this is so important for all of us. Don't think they take these things lightly. Because conscience is a gift that God give, gave us. Ultimately, otherwise it will become a seared conscience. Seared conscience meaning what? Burnt. <clears throat> you know what burnt conscience is? You keep on handling stuff which is hot. Initially, <laughs> Right? That's what you do, right? After a while, tongue. What has happened? Everything has become what? Hard now. You got leprosy now. A rat can come and eat a part of it and you don't even know. In the morning you realize the rat has eaten one finger. It's gone. And some people have an evil conscience. They will call good evil 
evil good and they will not be able to sleep if they unless they make somebody else fall that's what the bible says unless they make somebody else fall they will not be able to sleep today i did not cause somebody to fall my god my conscience is bothering me can you imagine Evil conscience. Poneros conscience. The, the, the word for evil conscience is the conscience which is under the influence of the poneros. The poneros is the evil one. Evil one. And that is the reason why the Bible says in the last days they will call good, evil, evil, good, darkness, light, light, darkness. How is your testimony this morning? You know what it says in Proverbs chapter 5? I was the, I was in the midst of total ruin in the midst of my congregation and in the assembly. Psalm 1. Remember Psalm 1? The ungodly shall not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Thank you so much. Because they'll not be able to stand. Testimony before God and man. Look at what Paul's, look at this confidence of this man, no? You think why this man has got such boldness and authority? Look at what he says. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12, underline it into your Bibles and meditate it and cry and weep before God. For our boasting is this, for our boasting is this, look at his, at his boasting, the testimony of our conscience that we have conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, like Fraud recommendation letters. Fraud resumes. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you, the congregation of God. That is Joshua. A congregation before, a conscience without void of offense before man and before God. Primarily before God. See, God matters first and then man. Otherwise, you'll be like uh, Ahab. Prophesy only good things about me. Soothe my conscience. Say I'm very good. Wow, fantastic. You know what the Bible says? Micaiah also comes. Hey, look at all the prophets of God. Come on, come on, come on. Give the same recommendation later. Baba. <laughs> okay, fine. Go to Ramoth Gilead. You will prosper. Suddenly this fellow is having a problem with his conscience now. Did I not say, <laughs> tell me all the truth and nothing but the truth? Then he says, you know what? I saw the throne. I, you know what? God sees your life right in front of the presence of God. I saw your situation. I constantly kept on telling you, kept on reminding you, this is your situation, this is your situation, this is your situation. Repent, 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 but you would not repent. You know what God says? How will I con- convince Ahab that he should go to war now? Somebody said this, somebody said this, can you imagine? We are giving counsel to God also now. Can can any man give counsel to God? So one angel said, why don't we do this? Another angel said, I don't know what the counsel counsel that was going on in heaven. And suddenly a lying spirit came. I will convince. What will you do? I will become a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. And I will convince him. You know what God says? You will go and you will Oh, till I come back, put this fellow in prison. If you come back, if you come back. See, look at what he says. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in, in the world in simplicity and godly 
sincerity. I'll tell you something. The secret of a clear conscience is simple life. What did I say? Simple life. Keep your life simple with very few needs. You don't have to, you will not get the temptation to cheat. The more the requirements, the more the temptation. Simplicity. I don't need it. Testimony before God and testimony before man. That is the fourth thing. So, let's review. He was a man who was taken, in whom there was a spirit, on whom hands were laid. He had a testimony before God and he was before man. And fifth one, he was commissioned. What was he? He was commissioned. The word for, the word for commission is inaugurated. Meaning, what does it mean? He was a man who found his specific purpose in the body of Christ. Let me show you how, how this comes to pass in your life. Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Who were they? Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Cyrene uh, Manan, who had been brought up with the Herod, etc. And Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, what should you do now? Separate me, uh, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In other words, they were, first thing, they were taken. Okay, for a specific purpose now. Understand that. Specific purpose. There was a general will of God. Now, even as they fasted and prayed, they, God gave them the specific will of God. When do you find the specific will of God? There's a principle. Fast and pray. Should I marry or should I tarry? What should you do? Don't put flames, but fast and pray. Should I take up this job or should I not take up this job? Fast and pray. You know what? This is difficult. This is spiritual. I'm telling you, you know, if I would have done all these things in my life, bah, but God had mercy, honestly. So many heartaches I would have. Thank God in my in my ignorance I did not God did not allow me to take certain decisions. Thank God. Thank God. I'm just thank God. He kept me. He kept me. I don't boast about anything. I could have been I could have been in some of the worst situations possible. But just God put a hand and just protected me. Thank God for that. Separate. Now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which they have, I have called them. Then they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and then they sent them away. This was what we call as commissioned into them, into the ministry. What, what, what happened? They were sent, they were separated and they were commissioned. And then what happens? Verse six. This is the sixth one. These are the people who have been given what? Authority and glory. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let me give you what that means. You have a word which delivers. What do you have? You have a word which, which causes deliverance. Let me tell, let me tell you what that, what that means. Mark's Gospel chapter 1 verse 21 onwards. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having what? Authority. And not as a scribe's Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out and they were amazed. Amazed. Why? For with authority he commands the unclean spirits. For with authority. You know what? 
Paul was commissioned and he was sent into the mission field. And what did he have now? He had authority. And look at how he exercises authority. Powerful. The first mission trip, he exercises authority. Acts chapter 13, verse 8. <clears throat> but Elimas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness. Can you believe that? You can use such words in the church. Hmm? Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeking the sun for a time. And immediately the dark mist fell upon him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw that he had what he had done, being astonished at the what? At the teaching of the Lord with authority. At the teaching of the Lord. What was, what was uh, Joshua given? He was given authority. You know what happens? In your own homes, in your own situations, God will give you authority. A life of influence over others. When they look at your life, they will become obedient to the Lord. There will be a life of influence, even in your own family. A husband and wife, or a man who is getting up early in the morning, whose first thing that he does is he opens his Bible and he prays, and when the children see it, then they say, you know what? I want to be like my father. Whether they will choose that or not is different. It's a, it's a different thing. But they, you, you have an influence in your home. A life of influence. And when you say certain things, they will listen to you. Because you have authority. First thing, therefore, he was a man who was taken. In whom there was the spirit on whom hands were laid, who was set before Eliezer and the congregation. He had a testimony before God and with man. And then, fifth thing, he was commissioned into the mission field. He had, he was, he was given a specific, he knew his specific call. And then he was given authority and glory and who was constantly, seventh one, who was constantly led by the spirit. The seventh one, which is very important, which I want to talk about and delve a little minute, a few more minutes on this particular thing. Numbers chapter 27. Let us look at it. Numbers chapter 27, verse 21 onwards. He shall stand before Elias of the priest. This is Joshua. Who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. No. See, there's only one word. What, should, what are you supposed to do? By the judgment of the Urim, you have to inquire of the Lord. But who's going to, who's going to be, do the inquiring for you? Elias. Okay. If you turn with me to, if you please, please can put that up. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 26 onwards. I didn't put it here. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 onwards. If you can put it up on the screen here, it'll be great. And I'll read it out for you. Is it there? I didn't get it forgot to put that. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 onwards. Can somebody read it please? And I'll uh, reiterate. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 onwards. Likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Yes. Makes intercessions. Yeah. Okay. Now, Next verse. The he that searches the heart knows the he knows the mind of the spirit according to the oh, so who makes a, a intercession for the saints according to the will of God? The spirit. So who knows the will of God? The spirit of God. So if you want to know the specific will of God, what do you need to have? The spirit of God. And what does he do? He is going to throw what? Light on a particular word. 
What do you, what do you need? You need light on a particular word. You need light on a particular word. You need to have a light in a particular situation. So Eliezer is a type of the type of the Holy Spirit. Joshua is a person who's who's meditating upon the word of God. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives light into a particular situation and he says, This is where this is the path that you need to follow. You you hear a voice saying, This is the trajectory that you need to take, and don't turn to the left or to the right. Understand this? Who's this? Eliezer, the type of the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, you inquire of the Lord and you find the will of God for a particular situation. And you have a light in a particular situation. And therefore, when you have light, you know exactly what you need to do. Clearly what you need to do. And then what happens? At His word. Whose word? Who's this His over here? The Holy Spirit, the Eliezer. Okay. At His His word, they shall go out. And at His his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with Him. This is, He is again, Joshua, the high priest. And all the children of Israel. It is the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is a person who has come completely under the Lordship and the surrender of the Holy Spirit. You see that? That is what it says. Numbers chapter 27 verse 21. Joshua is a man who is completely surrendered. And it doesn't happen in a day. It happens over a period of time. You're constantly practicing and practicing. It's, see, the, right, the life of righteousness and the life of faith is a life of practice. He who practices righteousness is righteous. And he who practices lawlessness is lawless. It's a practice. You have to make it a practice. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are what led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God. What are they doing? These are the people who have, who are putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit. So what is happening? God is showing He's throwing light into situations in your own heart. He's showing you light. This is where you're going wrong. This is where you're going wrong. He's constantly leading you to light and more light. That is the reason why it says it's not Uri, it's Urim. Growing from light to light to light and even as you're increasing in light. What does, it, what does light mean? You know exactly where you stand. You know that there is absolutely nothing between you and God. There's light into your life. You're, you're, God is able to show you. This is where you are. That is the reason why the Bible says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus will constantly cleanse us. This is light. Okay. So, who are these people? These are the people who are walking and who are led by the Holy Spirit every day of their lives. Moment by moment. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 5. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh and these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. You see that? You are constantly, there is light. What, what is under law? There is condemnation. There is guilt. But if you are under law, under grace, you are in light. And in light, there is no condemnation, but there is only conviction. There is no condemnation. See, the way God deals with us and the way he deals with the world is completely different. He disciplines us. If you go wrong, if you go astray, he disciplines us, but he never forsakes us. We forsake him and go away. Okay. It is we who walk away from him. 
And that is the reason why he says, return O backsliding children, for I am married to you, he says. So understand, if you are led. So seven things we looked at. Let us look at it once, once more. Who is Joshua? He is a type of a, person, a believer who is in Christ, who understands that he has been taken, that he belongs to God. Second thing, he has been sealed by the Spirit. Okay, He has a deposit of the Spirit in his life. That is the reason why it says, repent and believe and you will, give, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The third thing, on whom hands were laid, that means he has been commissioned, he has been gifted with specific giftings to fulfill his ministry. Fourth, he has a testimony before God and before man, a congregation. He was, uh, he was said before Eliezer and the congregation, meaning what? He had a testimony before God and he has a testimony before man. He has a, has a life which is void of conscience, uh, uh, void of offense before God and before man. Verse 5 and the fifth one, he was commissioned. That means he understands the specific will of God for his life. Specific will. And when, when did this happen for Paul and Barnabas? When they fasted and prayed and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, and God commissioned them into the ministry. He was commissioned. He knew exactly what he had to do. Specifically. And that becomes more and more clear even as you walk with the Lord. Sixth, he was given authority. A, a life of influence. And you could be anybody. In the, in, you could be a brother or a sister. Doesn't matter. It's just not for men. Okay. It's for everyone, a life of influence. When people look at you and when, when you speak to people, what happens? They get encouraged, they get motivated, they get challenged. Okay. And you, you literally impart life the way, with, the way, uh, with, the, with your conversation and with your testimony. And, was, and the seventh one we saw that he was constantly led by the Holy Spirit. The seven attributes of a man who is ready to take on the, pro, the promises of God. Seven attributes. So what, what is a most important thing for me, for me as a believer. What is the most important thing? This one, fourth one. For me, this is important. What is it? That uh, my testimony before God and before man, primarily before God, I have to preserve it with all my heart. Preserve my testimony before God. Before man, we can't, we can't stop certain people from uh, talking things about us. But one, one thing for sure, before God, there is nothing between God and me. So this morning, we are entering, we have already entered into the second month and the promise is still valid. Promise is still valid. But be sure that you are taken by God and you don't belong to anybody else. Okay. Understand that you have been given the spirit, the deposit, the earnest of, the, of, of your inheritance. You have been gifted. Everybody has been given, given a gift. Guard your testimony before God and man. And once you are commissioned, you have authority and a life of influence over others. And you will turn many people to obedience. And you will be constantly led by the Spirit. So let's pray this morning and say, Lord, I've entered into the second month and the promise still holds. But you said, Lord, the kingdom of God advances by violence and the violent take it by force. Make me into a spiritual hunter. Esau was a mighty hunter before God, before man. Nimrod was a mighty hunter. Esau also was a mighty hunter. But they were hunters in the flesh. But the Lord says, that venison will destroy you. This venison 
will give you life. Prepare yourself provisions. Once you have the strength, you will have the grace and the strength to inherit the promises, specific promises that God has given for each one of us, especially this year. Lord, whatever it takes, O Lord, this promise that you have given to us as a church, beginning with me and all of us, Father, we want it to come to pass in our lives. And whatever it takes for us to possess it, I pray, Lord Jesus, you will speak to each one of us. Each one of us, O Lord, we need to hear from you. Whatever is blocking us, whatever is causing us not to move ahead, unconfessed sin, unresolved issues, Father, this morning I pray, Lord Jesus, you would show, you would throw the light of your word, the light of your spirit. Your word says, O Lord Jesus, that you did not come to this world to condemn the world, but through you that people have to be saved. But this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men loved darkness than light because the deeds were evil. I pray, Father, that in, in, in this congregation, you will find those people who want to set their lives straight with you. They may not set us straight with man because some certain things with man are, are not possible, are beyond us. We surrender them into your hands, but at least with you, O oh Lord. We want to set our lives, our conscience clear before God. We want to settle our accounts with you. And you said, O oh Lord, if we confess, you are faithful. And you are just to cleanse us. We can walk without condemnation and without guilt. That is the promise of the new covenant. Father, this morning, even as we prepare ourselves through this day for, for communion tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would prepare us, that you would make us serious in searching for the things of God. That we will not take things lightly, O Lord, we will be serious. This promise, O oh Lord, we do not want to miss us this year. We want to grab it with both of our hands. And let it come to pass in our lives. In whatever measure you have decided for this year, let it come to, let, let it come to pass, O oh Lord. As we keep hearing, O oh Lord, whatever you have in store for us, may we have all of it. But whatever is not from you, may we not seek it. And wherever you don't go, maybe not go to those places. But whatever you have for us, this year especially, I pray, Father, that we will, Lord, take course corrections, make course corrections, O oh Lord, that you will show, even as we search our hearts, search our lives, because you are a God who wants to bless and not to curse. You said, O oh Lord, that you have promises, you have, you have, you have, uh, you have, uh, you have a few, uh, hope and a future and a desire and an expected end for each one of us. The thoughts that you have for us are thoughts to prosper us and not to harm us. I pray, Father, that this year, O oh Lord, each one of us will grab this promise and will make it true. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because you are for us, O oh Lord, and you are not against us. And enable us, Lord, Father, in our flesh not to work against you, but enable us, Lord Jesus, to cooperate with your Spirit so this promise will come to pass in our lives. Prepare us prepare us. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. God bless you. So understand that you've been taken. Okay, you don't belong to anybody else. Amen. Amen. Mm.